I need, I need fury. Where am I needed? Greetings, friends and fellow gamers. Welcome to this episode of Not Enough Resources, a bi-weekly gaming podcast hosted on roguesportal.com. We hope you are having a great start to your week, and we hope that we will provide you a nice respite to the typical Monday blues. My name is Ryan. You can find me online at Ryan M. Holt pretty much everywhere, and I am joined, as always, by my illustrious co-host, Dylan. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty good, man. I uh, enjoying uh, enjoying these last few weeks of summer and uh, getting ready to get into that holiday season. By holiday season, I mean Halloween. <laughs> yes, that is a great great way to start your holidays. I am super super excited for my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, because uh, you know gluttony is kind of fun every once in a while. Oh yeah, but, for sure. That is neither here nor there. Dylan, I have one pressing question for you. And that question is, what have you been playing? Man, I still have just been playing Zelda pretty much as much as I can. Um, uh-huh. There's just so much to unpack in that game. But I uh, I recently got a Steam game that I haven't gotten to play yet. I've opened it once, um, uh-huh. but I'm excited to start playing. Have you heard of Project Winter? No. Do tell. Uh, so my understanding is that it's a, it's a, a survival game and it's kind of team based except somebody, uh, is working against everybody else and nobody knows who that is. Okay. Um, so I think, think like, uh, don't starve together or, um, what's the other one that's real popular? Like Ark? Uh, maybe Ark. I haven't played Ark, so that one's hard for me to confirm. Don't Starve Together and, um... Oh, Don't uh, Starve Together is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's it's like that. Um, you're just... You're fighting, like, starvation and the cold weather and uh, exhaustion, basically. Um, and, and stuff. I haven't... Again, I haven't really gotten to dive into it yet. It was gifted to me from a friend of mine. Um, thank you, Mark. And, uh... I'm, I'm hoping I get to play a little bit tonight and kind of check out what the game is. Um, but the the trader aspect of it is is kind of interesting. I'm, I'm excited to check that out more thoroughly. Fantastic. Well, I cannot wait to hear your report on that. I love when you come at us with some really awesome indies. I am playing the opposite of an indie right now. I am playing probably one of the oldest games known. I am playing Tetris, but I am playing what I like to dub Sexy Tetris. Sexy Tetris. Uh, it is called Tetris. It's called Tetris Effect. Uh, it came out a couple, like I think, around a year ago on uh, the PlayStation Four. Now it's available on PC, so I've been playing it on PC. Basically, it is Tetris with a really super, super awesome soundtrack and everything you do in the game as far as like moving pieces from left to right to hard dropping to clearing lines, everything you do has an effect on the soundtrack. Oh, so if you've ever played games like uh, luminous or res, it's made by the same guys that did those games. So they're very uh, like audio visual treats. 
I play this game in complete pitch blackness with the sound turned up on a 5.1 surround sound system. And it's just, it's really cool. And the controller like vibrates like with every like beat and everything like that. And it's just a lot of fun. And it's just a new, new twist on a classic game that like everybody knows, which is great. Um, my wife sat down and I handed her the controller and like, I was having like an experience, you know, like I was, I was for lack of better terms, like elevated. Like I do a lot of like (laughs) calm and meditation and things like that. And like, you know, when a game like just gets you and like everything in your body just kind of like syncs up to it, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was getting that kind of like visceral reaction to this. So I told my wife, I said, hey, you need to play this. So I handed her the controller and she was like, oh, it's just Tetris. It's just Tetris. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, stop, like, thinking, oh, it's Tetris. Oh, it's Tetris. Just breathe, unpause, and experience the game. And, like, she unpaused it and was just completely blown away. And she was like, wow, this is, like, way better than I thought it would be because, you know, we're feeling the bumps and the beats in the vibration of the controller. And then every time, you know, you have an action, the music synchronizes to that. And she was just blown away by that. And I, I love that developer. Um, they go by different names. Uh, I think they used to be known as Q games. I don't know what they're known as now, but anytime they put a game out, I'm absolutely like right there to try it. And I'm finally glad that it came to the PC so I could get that opportunity. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. Any anytime you get a game where you you feel the game instead of have to think through it is, man, I love that that intuitive feel. Um, and of course, like again, when a game sucks you in, like how you're describing, um, even I mean, it's it's a uh, sounds like a, a new twist on a, a classic, um, great game. I mean. I, uh, there's not a bad iteration of Tetris. Um, I, I say that not a big fan of Tetris 99 personally. Um, I might, I might just be bad at it though. So Tetris whatever. 99 is a different beast. Tetris 99 is fun, but it is a different beast. It's fun. It's fun. I, um, think I would rather just play Tetris though. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's jump right into news. Uh, the big thing that happened this past couple weeks, unfortunately, uh, between Gamescom and everything like that, GameStop has laid off more people, uh, about 120, depending on what source you read, and half of Game Informer's staff has been laid off as a part of that. So I think this is really kind of, you know, between regional directors being fired and stores closing and firing 120 staff and things like that, I think we're starting to see the decline of GameStop. I know that's something that you and I have been talking about um, predicting for a while, and I just kind of want to run down the pros and cons. So what do you think about this, like just right off the cuff? So right off the cuff, I... So whenever things like this happen, like 120 layoffs and staff and stuff, it's like, oh man... Um what is i guess this is more of a question than an answer to your, i'll answer your question with another question so at what point like do you think you should start kind of reading the writing on the wall if you're an employee of a, a large company like this 
And I mean, we've, I think we were talking about this two years ago. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure of it because I was still in, in school at the time when we first started talking about GameStop starting to go under. Um, and cause they, they tried to sell themselves, um, to like get another company to buy them. Um, do you think these people are, I guess, they they have a good job where they're getting to write about games and play games and so that's why they hang around or do you think that like there's just no i mean there's no real reason for them to leave until uh, we're we're hitting a point where um only only the captain is going to go down with the the ship everybody else is just walking the plank early well i think so there's there's two big pieces to this first off 120 people get laid off from GameStop as a whole, right? Yeah. Um, that could be anything from like regional managers to, you know, warehouse folk to everything like that, which makes this particular round of layoffs interesting is half of game informer staff was included in those layoffs. Uh, game informer has, and as far as I know, as long as I can remember game informer has always been a subsidiary owned by GameStop. You know, I'm even thinking back to, you know, the 90s. I think yeah. actually, like, I think it was right around the time EB Games and GameStop, that merger happened. Yeah, that, that sounds correct to me. I, I remember. Um... So, like, it's really interesting in this case because you have not only regular rank-and-file employees, not saying that those employees aren't important, but you also have a large subsection of industry journalists like gaming enthusiast journalists that are getting laid off as well yeah and i think honestly honestly game informer should have gone under five years ago yeah maybe even sooner than that because print is such a weird world and everything like that and as far as i know like last time i was in the supermarket i don't even remember seeing them having game informer so as far as i know game informer was a GameStop exclusive, like, this is where you get this magazine, you know? Well, I think that they... I, I remember being able to buy Game Informer. I think it was Game Informer. It might have been... Um, wasn't it, like, Game Power? Or Nintendo? There's Nintendo Power, but there was, like, another one. Well, there um, was Game, there was Edge, and Game Informer. And EGM and, like, all of those things. Like, yeah, I I'm trying to remember when, which one I would buy at the airport when I was traveling as a kid. I would but, hope it would be EGM. EGM was kind of, like... In my eyes, like the top tier of, yeah, as far as well, quality, but I don't know, like seeing Game Informer having to like migrate online and things like that. Like I'm yeah. honestly surprised it took this long. Well, to yeah, start definitely. I think staff. It, any print media that hasn't doesn't have like a robust online publication system um, and has like just printed as little copies as printed only as many copies as they needed to print. Otherwise, they're just setting money on fire um like that yeah that's that's five years ago kind of news i think it's really interesting because it includes you know part of the industry right uh-huh and well, that's it's, uh, that's the weird disconnect between uh, this for me honestly any anytime uh yeah anytime um a business suffers uh middle management is, is the first to go um, yeah. and, and so like, it's going to be the middle management of 
GameStop as a whole, which is going to include like Game Informer. But it sounds like I mean they kind of gutted them, like from the from the top moving down, based yeah. on the the little bit that I read. And so, as such a well, here's here's the official statement from Game Informer. Uh, Dear Game Informer community, yesterday, as part of a GameStop restructuring plan, our parent company eliminated the positions of about 120 employees across various offices. We lost seven members of our team, our cohorts, compatriots, and friends, out of our 38 team members. They shaped us and made us who we are today, just like every member of the Game Informer team who passes through this company. Here's the official statement from GameStop. As part of the previously announced GameStop reboot initiative to transform our business for the future and improve our financial performance, we confirm a workforce reduction was implemented, impacting more than 120 corporate staff positions, representing approximately 14% of our total associate base at our company headquarters, as well as some of our other offices. While these changes are difficult, They were necessary to reduce costs and better align the organization with our efforts to optimize the business to meet our future objectives and success factors. We recognize that this is a difficult day for our company and particularly for those associates impacted. We appreciate their dedication and service to GameStop and are committed to supporting them during this time of transition. This is from the AIC of Game Informer uh, continuing. I'm saddened by news... Uh, By yesterday's news, the Game Informer team means the world to me. You, our readers who have supported us over the years, mean the world to us. I can't thank them or you enough. We appreciate the love that is poured out of our GI and affected team members. Matt Burtz, Elise Favis, Javi Gwaltany, uh, I apologize if I butchered that, uh, Kyle Hillard, Imran Khan, Jeff Markafavia and Suriel Vasquez. They are so talented and so passionate. Please support them if you are hiring. Each of them has my highest, most glowing recommendation. For now, Game Informer will live to fight another day. Your support is appreciated. Cheers, Andy McNamara. So that was the official statement posted on GameStop's website about that. Uh, he also followed up with a tweet uh that says, it seems a common question that they didn't address because I care more about the people at this point, but yes, we will still be producing the magazine, both in print and digital forms. We're making all the content we can. It's just with a broken heart. Okay. So that's the full statement from Game Informer's editor-in-chief. And I think it's just, Game Informer is a business. GameStop is a business. They're all intertangled together I think this is part of the problem we have with regulation in this country, Um, specifically as far as, you know, like a a retail outlet owning a magazine, you know, like I think that there's there's a minor conflict of interest there, not like a large one, you know, Uh, but I do think there is there is definitely a there's definitely an objective there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the publication the publication is it's strange because it's like it's Game Informer is like Sky Mall. <laughs> yeah, because it's. I mean, well, and I think that also has to do with the position that GameStop itself has put it, had put itself in. Yeah, 
as yeah. being kind of the go-to destination for games. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, GameStop as the, uh, I always forget the term for it, but like the, they're the like third market, I think is what it's called or mm-hmm. second market economy or whatever. Yeah. It's a third market economy. Yeah. Um, and so like, they also started trying to like supplement with other stuff. We talked about the fact that like they've been trying to sell, um, nerd merch, uh, yeah, because so, they owned ThinkGeek. Exactly, yeah. In order to like try to recover loss from the failing third market for video games, because like now that you buy everything digitally, then you just have it, and you just log into whatever service you bought it from and then re-download it on your new thing. Um, and that's becoming more and more prevalent in the market in general, especially if you've if you've been a purely PC gamer, then... Most everything you own is on Steam or Origin or, or Epic, uh, or, Epic or Blizzard, yeah. And so, like, you just own those things. You don't. You're not constantly like going and re rebuying some Xbox game that came out 15 years ago or whatever. Um, and so, like, the I don't know. It's it's just like I, I mean, we all saw this coming. I I hope. But it is like what happens to these. I, I I've always thought that Game Informer is a pretty quality magazine. I mean, it in reality, like most um, most of these pieces are just ads for video games. Um, but they're usually well directed and like more of a review of the game itself. Um, even if they generally like will write the game in po- a positive light, it's very rare that there's like, oh, this game's complete garbage. But they would do that on occasion, um, and and so, yeah. Where where is the space? Where do these journalists go? Um, and why didn't? What I mean, if if those journalists were all print media guys, why aren't they moving over to and and that? Why aren't they moving over to just like internet based stuff? Yeah. Well, and I think print and digital kind of go hand in hand. These days, I mean, there's there's no way that it's one or the other, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I work in a print world, like myself. Um, everything I produce, not everything, but most of the things I produce are done with print in mind. And it's, it's amazing how many people are on my team for a product that feels antiquated. I'm not saying that it is antiquated. It just feels that way, you know? But yeah, it's it's just really, really interesting and and heartbreaking. I, I do wish those seven employees find feet soon. I, I don't think that they're not going to be out of the job. I think they will be fine. Uh, it's just kind of tough. One thing that also is a real bummer about Game Informers. Game Informer is located in Minneapolis. Uh, so not not a lot of industry jobs in in Minneapolis. So, you know, most of these people, if they would like to stay in the industry, are probably looking at a move to one of the coasts, which is not exactly a stress relief, you know. Well, no, and, and it's also kind of a, a bit of an American problem of because of the way that the tech industry works, um, it never really, like, both because there's a lack of infrastructure in um, central uh, United States, um, but also because, like, 
all the the tech giants are on the east and west coast because the infrastructure is there and there's a lot of talent there and so people are just expected to move out there um and so like having a, a proper um game industry job market in minneapolis and having that move away just leaves this big void and it affects minneapolis's economy um in a really negative fashion overall when jobs like that move away um and and leaves um not that minneapolis is rural america but leaves um it leaves a hole it leaves a hole yeah and 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 there is rural america and like the small cities are suffering because of moves like that yeah well and then you know on top of that there's the rank and file employees not included in those seven out of 120, you know, seven out of 120 is significant, but there were also other people eliminated as well, which I don't know. It kind of baffles me because we are on the cusp of a new generation of consoles next winter. And it sounds to me like given how fast GameStop is eliminating positions, you know, we talked about, GameStop eliminating regional director positions about a month and a half, two months ago. And the rate at which they're cutting people, I don't know if GameStop's going to be around for the next generation of consoles. And I seriously thought they had at least two or three more years. But now seeing this accelerated rate of culling, it it kind of worries me. Yeah, when you see something like this, you have to wonder, are they... um, a really easy way to cut costs is labor. Um, and so by limiting labor costs and getting down to the bare bones and attempting to liquidate the assets that they already own and the assets, because I mean, they've already ordered this winners, this holiday seasons game stuff for this quarter. Right. Um, and then you eliminate this middle management in order to like increase your profits. Um, it's a sign that the company is getting ready to try to liquidate all of its physical assets as they remove the infrastructure in order to increase total profits um, is, is what this is a sign of. And so like, like you said, like if, if they're already starting to do this now for this upcoming holiday season, are they going to make it to the next one, which should be a big one considering, like you said, new console wave. Yeah. And I mean, I know, I know consoles are designed not to be money makers. You know, when when we scoff at, oh my gosh, the new PlayStation's going to be $500. We should probably be paying closer to $800 for that. But yeah. Sony is taking a loss with the idea that they will make up that that cost deficit with sales of controllers or sales of games and things like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Instead, so instead of making a, a few hundred bucks on a console, they they want to make, or sorry, instead of making twenty percent of the console profit, they want to make eighty percent on their controller and game profit. Yeah, and that's just a business model. And it, the other thing that like really blows my mind is we know that the next Xbox and the next PlayStation are gonna have disc drives. Well, that's stupid. I mean, it is and it isn't. I I understand why they are going to. I think there's a certain 
subsection of gamers that are not us, right? Are not me and you mm-hmm. that don't participate in, let's say, digital economies. That's, you know, just one way to put it. Like, for example, my brother, he goes out and he buys NHL, the NHL game, every year. Yeah. And I know he's not, like, logging on to Xbox Live and downloading it and buying it. He's going to the store and buying it. Yeah. So there's that, too. The other thing that's, like, really interesting about this, and I'm curious because I don't know exactly how the market share is divided, but when this happened a couple years ago with Toys R Us, when Toys R Us went out of business, they took 40% of the industry with them. And that's devastating. Like, there's there's no bad way to cut it. Like, that is 40% devastating, right? So, uh, to, to see this with GameStop, because this industry is so digital already, I don't know how much of an impact it will have on an industry-wide level, you know? So, the big thing is, we don't know how much of an industry impact GameStop going out of business is going to be. Because the industry is so digitized already, you have other distributors, you know, Amazon, Walmart, Target, things like that. So eliminating GameStop from the supply chain, how much of an industry effect do you think that'll have? I I mean, I honestly think it, it won't. I think there'll just be more money and fewer pockets. In this case, I think rightly so, just because, like, I, I don't. This, this isn't some disruptive new technology that's only been around for a few months that's putting GameStop out of business. This is, has built, been building for the last 19 years, basically. This is the, the direction we've been headed in. And um, GameStop held on, as I think, a little bit too long. They didn't read the writing on the wall and, and make the decision as to what the future of the industry was going to be, where I think that Amazon and Google and Microsoft and and um, Sony have seen, I mean, even Nintendo have seen what's happening and are making the moves to try and be there for this next digital age. Definitely, yeah. It's it's a weird conundrum for sure. And I remember, you know, over the the years that as we've been talking about this this iceberg, <laughs> so to speak. You know, we've talked about how to save GameStop, what they could do. You know, we talked about, like, maybe they could transition to land centers, things like that. And I just, I think at this point, investors are just washing their hands. They're not looking for that next jump, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're just giving up on... They're going to get one more good Christmas, one more nice little bonus in their paychecks, and then find something else yeah and it, and unfortunately it's it's just those investors it's not the it's not the dude that's been suggesting games to you at your local GameStop for the last five years yeah i will say you know if you still stop shop at GameStop, you know that's your prerogative you can do what you want with your money if you want to give them your money and that's fine that's totally great because capitalism is awesome like that please be kind to the people there uh, because this is a very public thing that GameStop is firing regional directors and laying off, you know, 120 people on a random Monday in August. Like, 
these are these are public allegations not i shouldn't say allegations allegations is the wrong word these are public facing statements these are public facing actions so the guy you know standing behind the counter at your local GameStop and everything like that he's probably really nervous he's not not feeling too great right now so just you know be nice to them don't flip out about trade values or something like that you know yeah they, they aren't making that decision <laughs> no so. no as somebody who used to be a store manager for GameStop I can ensure you that we have no control over like they have no control over pricing of trade-ins and things like that yeah yeah and thank you thank you for pointing that out I appreciate it yeah it's it's an important thing to like remind people I think yes absolutely so let's jump right into competitive corner there's been a lot of movement in the Overwatch League we're entering our final stage of the season or the final week of the season, excuse me, before we move to the grand finals and playoffs. So everything's getting seated right now. And that's very exciting, but there's one thing I want to talk about that has nothing to do with this season. It has everything to do with season three. Okay. So season three, as we talked about a couple months ago is going to be held worldwide. Uh, there's going to be homestand weekends and every team is required to host two. Some teams can host up to five, and that full schedule has come out, and uh, it's looking pretty exciting. I honestly can't wait. Uh, my wife and I are going to try and make it to a couple of them uh, throughout the 2020 season, but the thing that's going to be really interesting is you're going to have a lot of Overwatch to watch because all of the Homestead weekends are double booked. What? Yep, so they are doing games scattered throughout uh, February all the way to, I believe, uh, August. But some of them are, you know, double booking. So, like, there are some that are going to be held by, let's say, the Shanghai Dragons. And that same day, you will have a game hosted in San Francisco as well. Wow, that's really so you're, cool. You're going to have, it, I think they're kind of like aiming for, not that they would ever be able to compete. Uh, I mean, they might be able to in certain markets, but uh, they're kind of aiming for that, that, that like football mentality of like the weekend is the time for football, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, aside from, you know, you have like your Thursday games and your Monday games, but like, it looks like everything is going to be either Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was, wasn't it the, um, the like opening weekend of League of Legends or there was like a League of Legends final that was on Super Bowl Sunday and it like had more viewers. Yeah. Um, which is, which is pretty insane. But like, I, I think that, um, I think this is a good decision because, I think people watch their team, especially when Overwatch, we talked about this when they were first starting to exist, in the, or the Overwatch League, I mean, was first starting to exist, that they were trying to push this model where people supported specific teams or specific players, where I think in past esports, um, people would just watch all of it because it was the only available content kind of for this. Mm-hmm. And people don't really have time, most people, I mean, some people do, but most people don't have time to sit down and watch 
uh, eight hours of Overwatch League content every week, uh, some people only have time to watch three hours. And so I think this is kind of an acknowledgement of we don't have to have this big, super long event that fills an entire Saturday um, if we put all our all our games in the same primetime slot they're still going to get watched by the same fans because it's the fans of those teams watching, not the fans of the Overwatch League overall. Yeah. Well, and, like, I just pulled up, like, a random week in the schedule, so I'm, like, looking at week nine in the schedule right now, right? And it looks like the two towns that'll be hosting that week, or two teams, I should say, that'll be hosting that week are going to be the Washington Justice and the Dallas Fuel. And so you have an 11 a.m. game, in Washington DC and then that's the first game in DC and then the first game in Dallas is at 4 p.m. but that's local time so 4 p.m. in Dallas is going to be 5 p.m. in DC so you could technically watch all six games starting at 11 a.m. in DC and then at the end of the third game in DC switch over to whatever channel whatever host or what have you is holding the back half of the games, right? Yeah. But, like, to have these events going on in different cities and different towns all on the same day is really interesting for me because, you know, I am a sadist and try and watch every game. Yes, it's true. I know. You you keep me well informed on game day. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, like, it's just kind of, like, blowing my mind, especially, like, when you consider that there are four teams in China. So, like, am I going to have to, like, wake up at, like, 2 a.m.? Like, you know, Ryan, I used to do me, that. Let me tell you, as somebody who's done that. Oh, yeah, I used to do it for the Premier League all the time, right? It's, it's so worth it, dude. You should do it every time. It's, <laughs> it's not. So it doesn't it. hurt. It doesn't hurt that bad. Yeah. Yeah, you'll eventually, you'll eventually fix that sleeping cycle. It could take months. Yeah, but you will have been awake to watch the Katowice final. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I think it'll be really cool to kind of have, just like every weekend from, you know, February eighth to the end of the season, August second. You know, before playoffs and everything like that i think every weekend it's just going to be overwatch 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 and i don't know i think it'll be really cool i think it'll be really interesting the other thing is is it'll end up like splitting production teams i'm really like concerned about like travel not necessarily for the players because the team schedule is pretty well laid out but like i'm concerned about like travel for like the production team and the casters and things like that yeah, that will be that'll be interesting and fun to watch, fun to see. Um, I, I think we talked about it. There was a LCS caster that didn't make it to uh, to Seoul to cast a Worlds game, and so they ended up just cutting him. But uh, the guy that they brought in had serious jet lag issues and ended up getting like really sick and could barely get through the cast. It was quite. I mean, he he did amazing still. But you could yeah. tell that he was on full, like, on the struggle bus the whole time. And yeah. so when you think about, like, the camera person trying to get all their settings in correctly, trying to stay awake from a travel d- night, or maybe they've been awake for 27 hours, I mean, that's wild. Yeah. 
it'll be interesting to watch. One thing this also confirms, like with the full schedule for 2020 being released, is there are going to be no more teams added for season three. Yeah. So, you I know. it's good. I think take take some time. Make sure that you can sustain the teams you have. And, and also, we talked about the the problems that can occur if there's not enough talent to fulfill the number of teams to yeah. keep the game uh, interesting and, and um, invigorating. Yeah. So that's 2020. That's, you know, a year from now. I'm getting ready to go into eSports hibernation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. by eSports hibernation, I just mean watching, like, StarCraft and stuff like that. Not that that's not important and fun, but... You know, Overwatch League is so structured, it's easier to follow, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, that's looking forward to 2020. Um, this weekend, by the time this episode comes out, the Kit Kat Rivalry Weekend in L.A. will have concluded, and we will know uh, the final standings for the playoff tournament in to the Grand Finals in Philadelphia. So, I'm very excited for that as well. Yeah, yeah. That'll be, like, a really fun tournament to watch, I think. Yeah, definitely. I highly recommend, even if you've never watched Overwatch before, um, the playoff tournament at the end of the season will be really good because it follows a lot of rules from traditional sports. A lot of it's going to be single elimination, things like that. Um, So, you know, and, you know, the, the production team over at the Overwatch League is very good about streamlining storylines and making sure you know what's going on so definitely uh watch out for that i do know they are going to be broadcasting as much of it as they can on espn and abc on real television yeah yeah i actually so (laughs) you want to hear a fun i don't know if it's embarrassing but a fun story about overwatch league and being broadcast on real television yeah sure uh, the Overwatch League Grand Finals for Season 1 was the London Spitfire versus the Philadelphia Fusion. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a huge, 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 huge <laughs> Philadelphia Fusion hater. <laughs> um, so that was that was really fun. Actually, I, I actually really like the Philadelphia Fusion. They're really good. Um I apologize to anybody in advance that is hearing that. There is a thunderstorm rolling through my area. Yeah, uh, I, I gotta apologize. There, there were dogs barking uh, throughout the cast, and I'm doing my best to mitigate it. But we'll that's see how okay. It but anyway, so uh, being the big London Spitfire fan I am, unfortunately, I had to work those days uh, for the grand finals. Uh, specifically that Sunday going in and uh, I worked at a hospital and I had control of the TV in the lobby. (laughs) And so I had to explain to everybody coming in, Oh, is this a video game? And I said, yes. And they're like, Oh, can I play? And then I had to say no. (laughs) And just having to explain that to people um, was, was a lot of fun, but I uh, got, I think I got a, you know, couple people interested in like, oh, what's this thing? Yeah, you know, you made some new Overwatch fans. I think that would be the goal, right? Yeah, I guess so. But uh, yeah, definitely when the playoffs happen uh, in a couple weeks, they will be playing the first half of the playoffs in uh, Burbank at the Blizzard Arena. 
And then the grand finals will be at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. So we'll definitely keep an eye out on that. I actually have some questions for you after this. Concerning that, that is neither here nor there. I do have a closing question for you, though. What's up? So, this uh, past week, Mortal Kombat 11 announced their full cast of DLC characters. And in there, there were two non-Mortal Kombat characters. One of them is Spawn. Not an unfamiliar portion of the fighting crowd. He was in Soul Calibur 2 years and years and years ago on the Xbox. But now he's going to be in Mortal Kombat 11. And the other one uh, is the Terminator. And they have a model that looks really good like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that's awesome. So my question for you is, if you could put any character from a movie into a fighting game, first off, what fighting game would it be? And second off, what movie character? Uh, It would be Jules from Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction in Street Fighter. Oh, that would be kind of cool. Um, well, no, not Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, because he has to be able to curse. It's really important that he can curse. Yeah, I think that's, that's, yeah, I think Um, that's a key. Yeah, no, I don't think you can take any Quentin Tarantino character and not let them curse up a storm. This is not fair. Yeah. 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 Uh, What would his fatality be since it's, you know, a Mortal Kombat game? Um, so he would hand them like a big black trap like plastic bag to like uh-huh. and they would like take it out of his hand um and they would he they would like reach into the bag and pull out his wallet and then he would uh shoot them a whole bunch of times oh nice nice i kind of dig that and then catch his wallet i think like he shoots them and the wallet flies up in the air and he catches it and then he catches it checks the wallet and puts it in back in his pocket yes yeah that would be kind of cool. Right, I kind of dig he, that. And he says the like the speech of the the path of the righteous man. Oh, as he's as he's, as he's doing fatalitying the whole, them. Yeah, yep. All right. Yeah. All right. I dig it. Yeah, I could definitely. I love that. What about what about you? What do you got? Um, I would put Morpheus from oh, the Matrix man. into the Dead or Alive series. Oh man. And, like, I know that that's kind of, like, a weird choice, but, like, my favorite thing is, like, I love Dead or Alive. It's one of my favorite fighting games out there, and Mm -hmm. it's not because of the TNA. Um, I mean, TNA is great and all, but uh, (laughs) the reason I really, really enjoy that game is because that game is, like, pure kung fu. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, It's pure just fighting styles and things like that. You don't have, you know, I think there's, like, two or three characters that can do, like, fireballs. Or fireball like equivalent moves, you know. Like Kasumi has a teleport ability. Uh, the Tengu bonus character has like a knockback ability with its wings. But like by and large, that entire game is just like pure kung fu. It's yeah. pure fighting. And yeah. so I would take like Morpheus and not Neo because I mean Neo's fine, but like Morpheus is cooler. Uh huh. Um, Absolutely. And you know I would put him in dead or alive doing like kung fu so that's yeah. kind of like my dream crossover in my head no i think that would be really good i would i would really enjoy that i would also like to see 
uh, like a really hyper violent character in Smash Brothers, just kind of like as a joke. Like, yeah. Like and like make it as violent as basically just put a Mortal Kombat character in Smash Brothers and let them yeah. behave like a Mortal Kombat character. Yeah. Well, I I always thought it was really interesting, especially uh, with the Wii U version that they were like, oh, here's Ryu, and it's like oh, that's cool. Ryu should be in Smash Brothers. But then my head went, wait, Ryu's in Smash Brothers. Yeah. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, exactly. It's really strange. Yeah. But good fun. And now, you know, we have Ken. So I'm guessing next will probably be, what, Chun-Li? Chun-Li or Guile? I think it'll be Chun-Li, though. I think it'll be Chun- Chun-Li. I think in order, it's it's Ryu, Ken, Chun-Li, Guile, Bison. Yeah. Oh, Bison would be great. Um bison would be great yeah yeah i think i think those like in order of of most recognizable famous street fighter characters yeah Um, definitely yeah and then it's it's like a three-way tie between uh e honda and e honda blanca and dalsim blanca and dalsim yeah the next like because everybody like everybody's like low-key that's that's all the hipster favorites but they're all like kind of equal yeah and, as and, far as popularity is concerned exactly yeah 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 that yeah. would be great but yeah so terminator's coming to mortal kombat and i think that's really cool and okay really awesome in in canon in canon fiction if terminator and spawn fought who wins terminator no you don't think so no spawn spawn has all the power of hell behind him yeah but like well, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's magic it, versus like tech. if it's if it's the T one hundred, right? Like Arnold Terminator, right? Uh huh. That's one thing. But like if it's the T one thousand, I think it's the one thousand. The one thousand wins. Okay. Right, like the T one thousand from T two. Yeah. No, I'm think I'm thinking. Yeah, the T one thousand is pretty amazing and basically the same as Spawn. Yeah. But but like better because like Spawn has insides. Still. Well, yeah, Spawn but has insides, and Spawn T-1000 also has, like... have insides. Yeah, and, and the T-1000 is, like, driven, and, and I have an objective, and my objective is to kill Spawn, and I'm going to kill Spawn no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Spawn is like, I gotta eat, I gotta sleep, you know? That's true, that's true. Spawn does have to take breaks. Yeah. He's gotta have nap times and regular yeah. feedings, so... Yes. Correct. Always, yeah. always feed your spawns. That is, uh, <laughs> always feed your spawns. Make sure mm-hmm. your spawn is well watered, well fed, and loved. Yeah, and it is completely okay to feed your spawn in public. Don't never forget that. Correct. Correct. Don't let anybody spawn shame you. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Dylan, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thanks for all of your insights into uh, the Game Informer fiasco. And I can't wait to hear about that indie game next week. You think you you think you can get it to us here in I'll, the next couple weeks? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm ready to talk about Project Winter in a week. Perfect, perfect. Well, we will look forward to your take on Project Winter. In the meantime, gamers, if you're playing online, enjoying it. Everybody else is probably enjoying it too. But if somebody's getting salty, don't clap back. Like, just, you know, remember... Be kind to your fellow gamers.